Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. by a touchdown. They're working the two-minute drill here. They've got all three of their timeouts. Brissett takes a shotgun snap. He looks left, fires that way. It's picked off. It's picked off by Eric Harris, and he will trot into the end zone for a touchdown. Jacoby Brissett threw it to Harris, looking for Zach Paschal, and Harris picked it off at the 30-yard line. That's a pick six for the Raiders. Penalties, drops, critical red zone turnover, Honestly, sounds like something we'd say on a 2018 Colts podcast from this time last year. But no, that's what we're saying right here on this 2019 edition of Kevin's Corner. I am Kevin Bowen, Joey Molinaro across the way. And as you just heard there, uh, from Matt Taylor, a pick six from Jacoby Bursett um, was probably the final nail in the coffin of the Colts. Losing 31-24 to the nearly touchdown underdog Oakland Raiders on Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah, we're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. and Man, that was ugly, Joey. That was, um, yeah, self-inflicted stuff. The defense being the defense. I don't think Jacoby Brissett certainly played his best game of 2019. Eric Ebron looked like he belonged in the XFL. Yeah. And um, that's going to add up to a loss that, I expected better. I expected more of a professional approach from this football team. Especially when you think about it, you have the opportunity to be 3-1 and one heading golden, into Arrowhead. Golden opportunity. Right, like you said, about a touchdown favorite. And really from that from the get-go, from the first drive for Oakland, you kind of knew what kind of game it was going to be. Who looked like the West Coast team playing 10 a.m. local time, traveling multiple time zones, yeah. getting ready to board a plane? I think they're going to London right now. I mean, it... The, the Colts look like that team, and that that was shocking to me. I was stunned. Yeah, you know, I, I was um, really disappointed in just the the lack of discipline that we saw out of the Colts from the onset. And you know, something I think we touched on on Thursday's podcast is I felt like if you gave Oakland hope early in the game, they could be in this football game. Yep. And I mean, you talk about hope. I mean, they get the ball to start the game. I know Frank Reich's a big proponent of, of of deferring to start the second half, but you just put so much faith in a defense right now that is struggling. And and I don't know uh, if, if I like that. You got up, got down fourteen nothing, and then really the game turned, or at least got more interesting. Basically, once Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs had that muffed exchange, For that sure. was a gift. Yeah, and that's how the Colts um, got back into it and. You know, in a way, some we were talking in the press box after the game. It feels like the Jets game from last year. You know, when you had all those drops out there, mm. you lose to them in kind of a high-scoring game. The only issue is Derek Anderson and the Buffalo Bills aren't sitting there in a home matchup next Sunday. As you said, it's a trip to Arrowhead. It's Patrick Mahomes. Then you come back from the bye week. And you have the Houston Texans, and it's just you—you you, you lose a lot of goodwill with this loss because now you're playing a little bit behind the eight ball again. 
You could have been three and one. You could have been playing at this house money. Have the over five hundred record going into the bye week. Having the lead in the AFC South. But I just, I don't know, man. I was uh, fans should be very, very disappointed with with, with the type of effort that I think um, we saw yesterday, and just the undisciplined aspect of it, and. Um, a couple things that I want to get to before we talk about things that, that I didn't like and things I liked. I thought there was a drive early in the game. I think it was the second drive of the game when you were down 14 nothing, that pretty much summed up the entire afternoon. Colts have the ball. Marlon Mack loses five yards. That was when you saw the Oakland DN, you know, guess, guess it right, move inside, beats Braden Smith to the inside. Boom, there's Mack tackled in the backfield, loss of five. You had so many negative run plays yesterday, mm-hmm. which is, again, that's an anomaly for this team. So then you then you have that. Glowinski gets a penalty on the very next play. Again, not something we've we, we've seen out of the Colts. They only had five penalties. I think two or three were taken out because of offsetting penalties. And then you had Chester Rogers drop, Eric Ebron, alligator arms, and you're punting on fourth and 20. Like that could have summed up absolutely everything right then and there. Just like those three plays were the story of the day offensively mm-hmm. um, for the Colts. And and I, I know that some people will debate or want to get into the onside kick. Uh, I'll just talk about it briefly. I would have liked to have seen it tried. Am I going to say that it's like a top three reason, top four reason the Colts lost this game? No, not at all. Because I, I get why Frank Reich said what he said after the game and that you have a better chance if you kick it deep, you know, you're you're going to win field position, maybe you pin him inside the 15, and the chances nowadays of getting an onside kick are even more slim right? because you can't put... Um, can't overload. Yeah, you can't overload sides uh, to a kicking formation, so you can't have, you know, seven on one side, three on the other anymore. Um, but... My thought is this. Why are you putting all your eggs in the basket of the defense? That's what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. What have they shown you to make you? What have they shown you? Right. I mean, like, Josh Jacobs, seven yards. Josh Jacobs, five yards. The game's over. Yeah. So I get it. It, it, It's a very low percentage of you stopping them in the three and out and, you know, getting the ball back and, and having a chance to win the game. It's probably even lower percentage to get the onside kick. It definitely is. But when you talk about all these analytics, they don't take into account for one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and that's what the Colts have right now. So um, I thought I thought that was something that just give you another chance. Try the onside kick. If you get it, obviously great. If you don't get it, you're still going to have to travel a good amount of the field to go um, to get that tying touchdown, send the game into overtime. Let's start with things you didn't like, Kevin. Uh, obviously, after a loss, it's going to be first and foremost. And even though you said that you know it's it's not the best defense in the NFL by any means right now, they did have uh, quite a few people out yesterday. Still, though, there's some issues with the, even with them being out. Right, right. The, these are non-personnel issues. You know, yes, you were without three of your top five or six players. Now, having said that, when you were without those guys, the fundamental aspects of football have got to be to perfection. And they weren't even close to that for the Colts. Like I said earlier, leading off this podcast, it felt like I was watching the 2018 Colts early in the season. 
the drops, the penalties, the Paris Campbell red zone turnover. We probably haven't mm. talked about uh, you yeah. know too much, but that's a play where if you can get a field goal there, you know that could change some things and how the rest of the game uh, goes from there. Um, Ebron's drops really overshadows that. Yeah, right. I, and, I just now remembered that. Yeah, and, and we will get into Ebron a little bit later. I'm, I'm going to group all the drops together. You you probably had. You probably had five official drops. You also had a muff from Rodgers. You had a Rodgers, another drop where he got drilled. Again, mm-hmm. some people will, will will debate the definition of that drop. But, um, like, the Raiders, they aren't good. Like, they were okay yesterday, a little bit better than okay, but they had 11 penalties. Yeah. Their best defensive player gets ejected. I think he's their best i mean he should be well marcus joiner looked pretty good yeah, yesterday good, Holy cow. wow um they had they had come into this game outscored 62 to 14 in the last six quarters mm-hmm. 14 points and 18 drives they played two drives on sunday and they had 14 points like this is not a good football team. When you look at the 2019 schedule, this is one of your easiest games at home. And so all of these issues that you self-inflict yourself with early in the games, that is giving an Oakland team that needs hope, needs something to believe in, you're giving them more of that. Um, and I thought that was a huge issue, especially when I consider the Colts' strengths, Joey. Your strengths. Again, this is not personnel related because you were healthy on the offensive line the run game wasn't there in the first half when Marlon Mack was healthy your tight ends we look at that as probably the strongest position group on on this team and those units did not deliver at all I thought the O-line I thought you got whipped in the trenches and I know that you can look at the stats after the game be like well Jacoby Brissett was was he sacked once maybe once I he wasn't sacked too often in that game, but you could not get anything going running the football early on, and then when you when you had to go with, I think Mack only had two carries in the second half. Jacoby Brissett wasn't even sacked. Um, wow, wasn't sacked in, in less than, almost less than 50%, obviously, the five drops don't help you out there. Um, but your strengths, that's why I felt like I was confident in the Colts winning this football game. You had the O-line. You ran for over 200 yards last year in the meeting out there. Your tight ends, all three of them had a touchdown last mm-hmm. year in that meeting. And those guys didn't step up and deliver for you. So um, I think that is what is the most alarming aspect of it was just the the fundamental aspect of things was missing. And then especially offensively, what you rely on, what you consider your bread and butter of winning in the trenches, running the football, establishing your tight ends, that wasn't there either. Um, so I, I think that was probably maybe the most frustrating aspect of it, um, leading to, you know, I, I think a game that we'll look on as one of the worst losses. Uh, really, the first time I've ever looked at a Frank Wright team, Joey, and thought, unprepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and um, that's 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 something I I don't know if I've ever said. Even last year, early early in the season, I I, I don't know if I ever really echoed that. But that looked like it, it looked like a Chuck Pagano team, honestly. Which again is not something that I'm used to saying, and nor do I think it'll become the norm. 
but in a season that margin for error is so slim, thank the Lord you play in the AFC South. Maybe I'm just grasping for straws here, Kevin, but I, I, I do think there is sort of that human element of back-to-back home games. You're 2-1. and one, You just won last week. Everybody is talking already. Everybody's excited. Even without you know Luck versus Mahomes, everybody's excited for that rematch out in Kansas City next week and on Sunday night. Is there any human element there to where it's like they just sure. came out dead? They came out as a dud. Yeah, I mean, human nature certainly I, I think is very real, but I just expected Frank Reich's football team to handle themselves in more of a professional manner. And almost like the way you lost week one in L.A. with a slim margin for error and Vinny missing those kicks, mm-hmm. I like to think inside that locker room, they kind of look at each other and they're like, all right, guys, our margin for error is slim. We right. have got to take care of business. True. We cannot overlook anyone in this league. And it's a locker room for the most part that I think is wired of of guys that wouldn't do that. Like maybe Eric Ebron has one eye looking ahead to Kansas City. You know, I could maybe see that. And mm-hmm. he mentioned after the game he felt like he lacked energy and he took blame for the team lacking energy. But for the most part, I think those guys are wired in a way where you can't take anything for, for granted in this league. You know, Justin Houston's the third-round pick, always feeling like he has to kind of prove himself to be yeah. one of those elite guys. Kansas City just cut him. You know, obviously Jacoby Brissett has a lot to prove just in general this season. And think about all of your, you know, some of those young wideouts really struggled. I mean, Deion Kane, five targets, no catches. I mean, that hype train has just come to a crashing halt. Mm-hmm. Um so, yes, I mean, a, a, a little bit of human nature, but I expected better out of this coaching staff and ultimately out of this team. Well, you mentioned the coaching staff, Kevin, and, um, you know, it's kind of back-to-back weeks now that we've seen the defensive scheme where people are looking around saying, what the hell are we doing here? You know, and we have beaten this horse to death, and we'll continue to do it until it changes because it is a glaring, glaring issue. When you're missing the personnel that you're missing, your scheme has got to try and help you make up for it. And the defense did not do that at at all on Sunday. And I thought the healthy unit, your defensive line, they were whipped. I mean, Oakland is gashing you with their running game. Yeah, jeez. And one sack, which is the stupidest sack in the world, it's Derek Carr running out of bounds for a no gain, which goes in the book as a sack. Yeah. Anthony Walker will happily take that. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, you know, in this scheme, Joey, I feel like you have got to have elite talent. It's just, it's something to where any loss of Malik Hooker or Darius Leonard and you get exposed. And the Colts have been exposed through the first four weeks of the season. I think I was maybe always kind of last to get on the old Eberflus train and like oh this defense is going to be great this year yeah. I was always kind of like let's see them play some good quarterbacks before I'm ready to go there you know I, even Chris Ballard said last month he mentioned you know at some point in 2019 I think we're going to look down and and see a great defense we're four games into it it's only a quarter but that defense ain't even close to good yeah. it's not even close to mediocre right now the thing that is really frustrating Frank Reich the most is the rush defense. I think it's five and a half yards per carry you've allowed. And remember, that was an element of your defense that was so good for you last season. You finished last year sixth in the NFL 
in rushing defense. You know, Houston and Autry played 90 snaps yesterday. 90 snaps combined. They had two tackles. Two tackles. And your your best defensive player yesterday was a guy that's been out for two months, Jabal Sheard. He was your best defensive player. Um, I think a big issue that I have with this scheme, Joey, because yesterday it, it was twofold. It was the personnel on the defensive line. And then it was scheme as well late. The scheme doesn't help you in field position at all. Because, like, think about it. They're vanilla. They want to give up. They allow completions to be given up. And they're eventually going to stop you. What that's doing is that's not helping you in the field position game at all. So it's putting more pressure on your offense, which is missing their best skill player, to have to drive. 80, 90-plus yards. That's just a lot. It's not the complimentary football that I think you would want to see. It's just, I'd love to get some true serum inside of Frank Reich and be like, what do you think about Eberflus? What do you think of that scheme? Because it's so polar opposite from how Frank Reich thinks about him offensively. Yep. And remember, obviously, the Eberflus hiring was a Frank, uh, Josh, Josh McDaniels, McDaniels, Chris Ballard sort of hiring, and it's just, uh Two third downs stand out to me. There's a third and eight. You bring two DBs, and you don't get home. Gathers and Kenny Moore blitz. You don't get home. The most frustrating play maybe of the game was a third and six, early fourth quarter. You've got them backed up, I think, inside their own 20. And Foster Moreau settles right at the chains, maybe a yard or two past the chains. So that is six, seven yards from the line of scrimmage. Your linebackers, Anthony Walker had vacated that area. He was a little bit to the right. And I think, I guess it would have been Okariki, is who I'm guessing would have been the other linebacker. He's not even in in the picture. Your safeties are too deep. Kari Willis is too late to come up and make a play. And Derek Carr just has a pitch and catch that would be there on a third and 20. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one thing to play that defense on a third and 20. Come up, make a tackle, rally around him, get off the field. On a third and six, you allow just such a lack of resistant sort of completion, conversion, and you're moving on. Right. It's like the biggest coin flip money down. Like third, you know what I mean? It's not third and ones where no. it's like, okay, offense, or it's not like you mentioned third and 20. Third and six is like, yeah. all right, who's who's going to scheme it up best and make the play, you know? And, and it to me, it's like it didn't take some exotic scheme in that situation. Just plant Anthony Walker, Bobby Okariki at that first down marker. Yeah. And if anything comes over the middle, whether it's Josh Jacobs on a bit of an angle route over the middle or it's a crosser. I mean, think about all the underneath stuff that you see run on a third and six. I mean, Derek Carr scrambling. Somebody that is up there to take away the three, four-yard dump that can turn into a six-yard gain. Yeah. And, you know, the Colts – have said all week, man, Derek Carr gets the ball out so quick. Derek Carr gets the ball out so quick. Derek Carr was sacked seven times. Seven times in the previous two weeks. So the Chiefs and the Vikings, they were able to get home against Derek Carr. And this is less that I put on. Trust me, the defensive line was not good on Sunday, Joey, but I put more of the lack of pressure on schematically how you use your pass coverage. Can you press? You know, can you choke? You know, that, that, that's kind of a sexy term of like getting up there, trying to disrupt that timing 
when you're defending guys on the outside. And I just don't see enough of that. Um, I'm definitely going to go back and, and, and take a closer watch at exactly how much zone, how much man, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. But to me, there's just not enough variety and creativity on that side of the ball when your personnel is missing its two best players. And even early in the season, I mean, there were issues against Phillip Rivers. There were issues when, um, you know, uh, Matt Ryan and, and Malik Cooker was was healthy, you know, for the first, well, I guess, you know, parts of that Atlanta game as well, where it's just, it just seems like you're so reliant on that offense having to screw up. And when Derek Carr, who's a competent quarterback, can get into a rhythm, things like that are going to happen. So, Lastly, before we move on on the defense, it does look like Marcus Hunt has been benched. Mm. Grover Stewart got the start over him and played a lot more snaps than him. I that I think that's deserved. I don't think Hunt has been good at all this season. Danico Autry, I thought, struggled yesterday against his former team, and um, it, it's a big wake up call for this defense right now um, because they've been absolutely terrible for the first month of the season. Eric Ebron. There's really nothing else to say besides that. I played shitty. I sucked. Those are Eric Ebron's words after the game, and those accurately describe how he played. Um, You know, we're sitting there waiting for Eric Ebron to get dressed and, and get ready to talk to the media, and I was talking a little bit to Jack Doyle about the perfect hit. And all of a sudden, I hear Ebron kind of mumbling to himself as he's getting changed. And he's like, he's mimicking what the questions are he's about to get from the media. So he's talking to himself. He's like, Ebron, why'd you play so effing shitty today? Like, he, he's saying all that to himself before. Okay, so a mental prep, you know? Yeah. All right. And then he turns around, and it probably, it took a while. It took a couple questions before we got into uh, that. But he was terrible. Flat out terrible. And um, as he said, he probably didn't deserve that touchdown late in the game. I'm sure his fantasy owners were were, were thrilled for that garbage time TD. But um, you're without your Pro Bowl wideout. You're going to look to your Pro Bowl tight end to step up. And when you have those issues, this is why I probably have definitely hinted at this, and I'll say it right now, I would not be bringing Eric Ebron back in 2020. Yeah, you've always leaned Doyle. You know, I I have leaned reliable, trustworthy, and I don't know if he gives you enough elsewhere to make up for the inconsistencies because he he doesn't block. He's not playing on on rundowns. And um, Frank Reich was very noncommittal when I asked him after the game if Eric Ebron got benched. He didn't get outright benched, but definitely that final two-minute drive late in the first half, it was Jack Doyle on the field and not Eric Ebron. And that's usually Ebron's kind of money package. The single tight end, Mm -hmm. two-minute stuff. And if you look at the snap counts, Eric Ebron played a season low. Jack Doyle's percentage was a season high. So read into that what you will. I think Frank Reich knows that uh, Ebron mentally can a little fragile. I mean, did you see that? I mean, he went. I mean, he chucked that helmet. Yeah. I was waiting for old takes exposed or somebody say this didn't age well because i tweeted you don't need that helmet and then he caught a touchdown later in the game but you get the point yeah uh, i mean darius leonard going over to him trying to play counselor david thornton nick sirianni i mean you had everybody oh yeah trying to go over to him 
and calm him down or whatever, realign him. him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just if you go back to the drop, um, I guess which drop people will say there was a drop on second and twenty, kind of near the red zone. Mm-hmm. Where he could have caught it and set yourself up for a third and manageable, got you into kind of reasonable field goal range. The next play, Paris Campbell fumble on the third and twenty. It's yeah. just you put so much pressure with those drops when you're already missing Hilton, and that's your best skill player. And now you're going to look towards another veteran, like I said, a Pro Bowler, and he played like he belonged in in the AFL, XFL, insert whatever league that you enjoy watching when it's not the NFL. Like that's that's how he looked, and that might sound harsh, but that is how he played yesterday. Um, I you know I respect him for talking and being candid after the game, but words are words. Sooner or later, you you just gotta show up and you gotta act. And we've seen this. Like last year, the second lowest catch percentage of his career. He had a big drop in Kansas City, a big drop in New England. It just seems to rise up at bad times, man. Just bad, bad times. Um, drops were a plenty, but I expect more out of Eric Ebron than I do out of a Chester Rogers or a Deion Kane. I do, you know, you, you're the 10th overall pick. You are a pro bowler. You're a guy that is counted on to deliver for this football team, especially when T.Y. Hilton is in street clothes, not your fourth wide out Rogers, your fourth wide out Kane, other guys like that. And, um, yeah, that was a that was a pathetic pathetic performance for uh, for number eighty five. Lastly, of things you didn't like from yesterday, Kevin uh, Jacoby Brissett's pick six. You know, I didn't think Jacoby Brissett was terrible, terrible yesterday, but he wasn't good. Like you know, F- Frank Reich said after the game, "Oh, I, th- I thought Jacoby was was really good." And yeah, I mean, Frank Reich knows a thousand more thousand times more than than I know. But I'm just, I mean, Brissett could have got picked on the first. Pass of the game, I think that third and eleven to Doyle threw it into like quadruple coverage. Oh yeah, it was close. And certainly he did not get helped out by some of those drops. But I don't think he played great by any means. Um, now the pick six. From what I've been told by a pretty reliable source, Zach Pascal ran the wrong route or did something. Um, I, I don't want to get into too much detail, but basically he did something that was a fatal error for a sort of receiver to do on that route. Um, so, which is rare because Pascal seems like a guy that they trust, you know, more than anyone. Okay, let's blame Zach Pascal then for some of it. But why is Jacoby Brissett so locked in that that is his throw on first down? First down, that that might be where I have the biggest issue. Live to see another down. It, it's four down. I mean that. Yeah, you. At that point of the game, you were going for it. I mean, hell, you are going for fourth and twos long before that, deep in your own territory. So, just just throw it at his feet. I mean, throw it over his head and out of bounds. I mean, that had no chance. Eric Harris sat on that so easily. Um, So, yeah, I mean, maybe Jacoby doesn't deserve total blame, but... You know, if that's Andrew Luck, we're, we're we're ripping him, you know, every which way for throwing that pick in a critical situation. And, and that's the next step. You know, if you're going to tell me the start of the year, Jacoby Brissett, 10 touchdowns and two picks through the first four games, I'd say, where do I sign? Yeah, I mean, hell yeah. But this is the next step for Jacoby Brissett. A critical drive. You're down seven points with two minutes to go in this football game. And are you the reason that you're down seven points? 
No. Like, mm-hmm. there are – Jacoby Brissett is far down on the list, but we grade quarterbacks in those type of settings. And Brissett, he hasn't been in a whole lot of those settings. And what he has been, you know, he's only started, what, 20-some games in his NFL career. He, he, he has not delivered in those settings. And, again, they, there haven't been many of them, but that's the next step for him. Can you go – Win us a football game if you're Frank Wright. Can you go force overtime and try to hide some of the deficiencies that you have had elsewhere? Um, so, yeah, it was just it, – the, 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 there's this balance with Jacoby Brissett, Joey, that I feel like it's – the Colts want him to be decisive. At times I feel like decisive and locking in on the first read – can be problematic. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I I just I see that which again, I get that there's a bit of a fine balance there, but that's a worry that I have with Brissett right now. You know, Marcus Brady, the quarterback's coach, talked last week about how he feels like Jacoby's ability to break down a defense, know where he needs to go with the football, they have improved and he is being more decisive. He is getting the ball out quicker, which is great. But when you lock in and your eyes don't scan the field, do you become predictable with things? Um, so that would be something that I would have a concern of moving forward with uh, with number seven. All right, a couple things you did like, even with the loss yesterday, and one is the return of Jabal Sheard. You mentioned they'd been out two months, and he looked really good. Dude, I was shocked he played. <laughs> I don't think he practiced full at all last week. So that's he hasn't had a full practice since the Chiefs game. In January, the guy mm-hmm. missed the entire training. Mean, he got hurt the first day of training camp. Missed all the training camp. Been practicing for two weeks. Played over fifty percent of your snaps. So played a decent amount. Didn't start, but he played a lot. He had four tackles. That guy plays thirty-four snaps. He has four tackles. Justin Houston, Danico Autry played ninety snaps. They combined for two tackles. Oh, man. Jabal Sheard. And he had that that one. I think it was the screen setup. Beautiful he, read of the screen. Yeah, he just beautiful read. Hopped of off the block yeah. and came down the line of scrimmage. And you need him. You know, when you talk about this run defense being poor this year, you need a Jabal Sheard now. So I thought that was very encouraging. Um, that guy's taken for granted. Is he going to be a, an eight nine sacker? No, he's not. Jabal Sheard is a guy that plays on early downs. He he was in your rush package yesterday. Um, I don't even know if you call it a rush package. You might call it a go kart package. Yeah, uh, uh, razor a parade lap, razor package. scooter. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't I don't know what 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 speed they were moving at, but it was uh, it was not fast. The speed they were moving at was yeah, more of Jacoby Brissett scrambling and less Lamar Jackson scrambling. Right. All right, last thing from things you learned here, and that was uh, we saw some quality playing time. We're seeing more quality playing time for the rookies. And I'm glad that you phrased it like that. Quality playing time does not necessarily mean quality play. You know, they were on the the field, field. right, right. but it's not like they were great for you Mm -hmm. yesterday. But I think it's worth noting, and that's why I put it in things I like, because um, if this this team's going to make the playoffs this year, the 2019 rookies have to deliver for you. And if this team is going to be a team that has – sustained success moving forward you need development certainly out of these young guys and they were not good yesterday I, I I don't want to have people misinterpret what I'm saying 
But for those of you that like to have one eye looking towards the future, which I think a lot of people do, which is fine. I'm a, I'm a fan. I always I'm encouraged when Notre Dame plays play their freshmen a little bit more, like yeah, things like that. Sure. Um, the amount of playing time they got and the expected growth that should come with that playing time. That was there. I mean, you started four rookies. Four rookies you started. Kari Willis, Bobby Okariki, Rocky Seen on defense, and then um, uh, Paris Campbell on the offensive side of the ball. So that's a lot, a lot of rookies that you were playing. Um, EJ Speed, Ben Banigou, they even subbed in the game and played a good amount. Speed played a lot. Speed played a ton more than Matthew Adams as that same linebacker. So um, you need more from your rookies. You know, I thought on the on the 60-yard end around, that dude was crazy, the guy running those end arounds for Oakland. He was just the fastest guy on the playground. He took off, man. That that one time, it was a double end around. He's like, oh, nothing over here. I might try the other side. Mm-hmm. I get 15 yards out of it. On on the touchdown, Anthony Walker, total, total misassignment there. Doesn't see that coming at all. And then all of a sudden, you have three rookies chasing the play. Ben Banigou doesn't set the edge. Bobby Okariki's late getting there. Kari Wills takes a bad angle. And it, it, it was kind of just, wow, there are your three rookies chasing after that play. Um, you expect better out of them and, you know, Baptism by fire a little bit with that group, but um, I I do think it's notable that they are playing this much this early because come late October and more so late November and December, you're going to need them if you're going to try and win the AFC South. Post-loss Twitter isn't anywhere Mm. near as fun, Mm. but uh, Mm. you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, from at Smooth Smith, you can't put the offensive struggles all on Brissett, right? Receivers just weren't getting open. Besides that horrendous interception to seal the game. No, definitely not. I mean, I thought the lack of separation, Joey, was was an issue. Um, you know, there were a couple times you tried to get Paris Campbell going on those crossers, and I thought Oakland sniffed those out really well yeah. and did not allow a ton of yards after catch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the offensive issues, Joey, I would honestly put, like, drops – O-line, not establishing the run for you. Obviously, drops include Ebron, and then, like, lack of separation before probably Jacoby. Like, I'm not absolving Jacoby at all. Again, we talked about some of some of the issue, but I'd probably put him, like, fourth on the list. From Robbie Loretta, hot take. Oh, boy. This is the worst loss of the Ballard era. Wow. Um... That's hot on a Monday morning, but I don't think it's sizzling. I don't think it's – I think it might be accurate. Do you kind of throw a 2017 out the window? That's – I mean, Okay, really, let, week one of that uh, – week one of 2017 oh was just oh, because the lack it. of, you know, just having Scotty Tolzien and just not having a plan and you get your ass kicked, that was awful. But then the rest of the year, it's like, okay, you're kind of just working with a, you know, patched up a job here. Def- and then I think back to the Jaguars game where you got shut out and Brissett was sacked 10 yep, times yep, at home. Yep. I mean, the Jags at that point, they were terrible at, at, at that point that season. I think you're both like two and three. Yeah, God, that Rams loss. Oh, my gosh. Scott Tolzien was melting. Scott Tolzien got asked after the game if there was something wrong with his arm, and he was so offended by that question. Oh, God. That's how bad he looked. Um, <laughs> I think it's I think it's a worse home loss. Yeah, I do. Home, 
the lack of discipline, um, yeah, I do. I mean, honestly, there aren't a whole lot of candidates last year. I mean, you can argue. I mean, Bengals, no, I'm not going to go with the opener. Jets game, I tend to shy away from anything away from home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will say it, it's certainly in, in the conversation, Robbie. From Casey with a K, a lot of people were feeling this. What's the temperature of Matt Eberflus's seat on this Monday morning? Well, it, it, it's not very hot, and I say that based off how the Colts think. I mean, they aren't going to be doing anything with, with with Matt Eberflus anytime soon. They are staunch believers, and Chris Ballard hired the man, so um, that's not going to be happening. You know, if I were running the show, it there, there would be some warmth to that seat. I mean, it's just, I just, it's such a stark contrast in philosophy and and it's almost maddening to me and 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 confusing to me because it's so much different from what your head coach believes you would think you'd have a general mindset across your coaching staff and I get it he was hired before Frank Reich was but to me I feel like if Frank Reich wanted to hire a defensive coordinator and maybe he will have that opportunity to hire one he's going to want a little bit more of an aggressively minded coach on that side of the ball Mm -hmm. I, I I would think that I would I I would guess that um, now I know Frank Reich has been in this system before, you know, back with the Colts, but look, this, the, the, this defense doesn't have 93, 98 coming off the edge. I mean, it's, um, the Colts aren't making any sort of switch at defensive coordinator. That is not happening. Um, but the talk of Matt Eberflus is the Browns head coach, <laughs> you know, last year, Oh, last year, <laughs> l- l- last year, um, that seems laughable. Yeah. Right now. From Cody Felger, why is the defensive line playing so poorly? All signs pointed to an upgraded unit, but seems like pass rush and run defense are all below average. Yeah, Cody, it's a it's a fair question and I'm 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 a little bit surprised by it. I'm not like shockingly surprised. You know, it's kinda like, all right, our guy you know, I'll 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 put Sheer to the side, but it's like our guys like Muhammad and Hunt, are they more rotational players that you're asking them to start? Like, Autry has had flashes, but the consistency hasn't necessarily been there for him. And Justin Houston, he's only had one sack through four games. I don't think he's been as bad as that looks. Like, you know, there's probably 150 guys in the NFL that have one sack through four games. But, you know, there's a reason that Kansas City decided enough was enough. So, um where where is your impact there? Where's your Warren Sapp? You know, to play in this scheme, you've got to be a lead in that front four, and I just don't think they've been that. I would say the rush defense though is particularly frustrating because the personnel hasn't changed too much from the rush defense. You know, I think we've we mentioned during the offseason, why aren't you bigger at defensive tackle, wider? You know that yeah. that was a bit of an issue. Um, boy, that, that that's that's a group that. You know, all those 30-year-olds up front, they just look like that they've, through the first month of the season, they look like they've been on the back nine a lot more than the, than the front nine. From Jason, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about our run defense? With all our emphasis on speed and gap integrity, it seems that we're unable to compensate for physicality up front, especially in the middle, and teams are able to take advantage of that. Well, I think that's very accurately put. Is that Jason? Yes. Yeah, n- nice work, Jason. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd put it at a seven or eight. I mean, it, it's a big con- – I mean, think back to that Kansas City playoff game last year. They hit you in the mouth right up the f- – I almost cussed – right up the gut. Yeah. 
You know, like, I mean, they were boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen more of that this season where teams look at the Colts and they say, speed, speed, and speed. That's what you do on defense. You aren't big. You, they are not overly big. We're going to just pound it at you. And we're going to try and see if you can survive that. And the Colts cannot survive that. They just, right now, the they are getting manhandled. And I, I it's not like you've played these elite, elite running backs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, or O lines really. I mean, Tennessee's that as well, you know. definitely. I mean, I mean, ter- Tennessee didn't have Taylor Lewan. Um I mean, are you calling Derrick Henry a top ten back? He just he just brings that physicality. You know, yeah. he's that that brute strength. You haven't that, played a top six, top seven running back yet. Yeah. Whereas last year, you you did. You you were playing Zeke and you played Joe Mixon and you played Saquon. Uh, Saquon. I mean, and, and, and you did a great job, or at least a much better job than you've done this year. Yeah, I'd put it at a 7 or 8, but now that I start talking, I might put it at even a little bit higher. From Josh, how would you assess the rookie defenders so far? I feel like I'm partially spoiled by Leonard's play last year, but I haven't been too impressed aside from some flashes by Kari Willis. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate, Josh. You know, Rocky Scene's had a play or two, and then he's had a play or two where it's kind of a 50-50, try and mm-hmm. make a play on the ball, and, and he doesn't he doesn't make it. Um you know, I think when you look at Kari Willis, I, I love his fit as a near-the-line-of-scrimmage safety. You know, I see him taking over for Clayton Gathers next year, but are you a little bit more exposed down the field? Those sorts of things. Okariki hasn't done a whole lot for me, Joey, in these first two starts. Banigou, okay. EJ Speed, a couple of nice moments. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a very kind of meh sort of, First four games, which it's very early for a lot of those rookies, though. From Ivan, he's got two quick ones here. One, with the lack of push from the interior, do you think Jihad Ward can get more run? No. I mean, I I, I guess he might play a little bit, but like, I don't think he's going to make some huge difference. And two, do you think the Colts bring back Krishan Hogan if they think T.Y. can't go on Sunday in uh, Kansas City? No, no. I think they're going to roll with roll with what they got at wideout. Ashton Doolin, the undrafted free agent off the practice squad, he actually played a few offensive snaps, which I was a little wow. surprised by. Um, to go back to the first point about Jihad Ward, I mean, you like to see Tyquan Lewis get healthy. You know, he had the ankle ankle injury, and he's a guy that you expect to be the future, kind of in, in that defensive line interior. And he didn't practice all week. From Joshua Sutton, if I told you before the season that the Colts would be 2-2 two and two at this point, tied for the AFC South lead, and Brissett would have 10 touchdowns to two interceptions, you'd be A, pleasantly surprised, B, thinking that's about right, and C, slightly disappointed. Or C, slightly disappointed. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good question, Joshua. Um, Well, certainly the 10 touchdowns. I'm going to kind of pick apart the question. The 10 touchdowns on two picks, you'd be more than pleasantly surprised. Like, you would have you would have signed up for that right away. Two and two, that sounds about right. You know, obviously not. I think but, Atlanta would be more of the, or Tennessee in the first two weeks. Right. But I, I, I will say, if you're going to win any game in the first four weeks of the season, the Colts won the right game. You Winning at Tennessee was monumental when you think about division tiebreakers and all that. I guess I shouldn't expect two and two to be tied for the lead of the AFC South. Like it's the AFC South, I should know what what this division is offered. But I did expect a little bit more out of this division, or at least some team, starting the year three and one. But I mean, I think all in all, 
you probably would have taken two and two, Joey, but it's just the margin for error has shrunk with yesterday's loss. And we we talked about it. You need to go seven and one at home. You need to go six and two at home to have, you know, a chance yep. late in the season. Just say your prayers. Everyone say your prayers. I don't know how people do prayers, or if people don't, maybe they don't pray at all. Um the AFC South is the gift. It's it, it's the gift that keeps on I mean what? Nine wins? Yeah. What wins this division right now? Is it nine? Does Probably. someone get to ten? Yeah. I mean I would think that Houston would be another contender to get to ten, but after yesterday where it's like you come home and you score ten points, yeah, nine seems about right. So yeah, I mean you're definitely Jacoby Brissett through the first four games, I think has been slightly better than I thought he would be, but I was probably on the Jacoby Brissett more of like, eh, I think he's the 25th best quarterback in the NFL. So I think he's been slightly better than that. Obviously, the touchdown to INT ratio is great. Um, but yeah, that 2-2 two and two record, man, you just... A win yesterday could have given you such a reassurance for multiple weeks moving forward. 3-2 yep. and two at the bye if you lose to Kansas City, and... You take care of business at home again. You're coming back to play Houston at home after the bye. And God, that was bad yesterday. From uh, Brett Stockglausner, is there any simple explanation for yesterday? It looked like we were watching the Dolphins in blue jerseys. I thought we were past Whoa. the wild inconsistencies. Yeah, I thought, I thought the Colts were past that as well. I mean, like I said, it looked like the 2018 Colts. It looked like an early season 2018 Colts. Um, self-inflicted stuff is probably the overarching theme of yesterday. That's the biggest reason why you lost. But I keep on going back to, like, Oakland had six more penalties than you and probably, what, two less drops? I mean, Oakland Oakland had drops. They, I mean, Tyrell Williams dropped a touchdown that could potentially ice the game. So, um, yeah, it was just a – it's crazy to me. It was just an unprepared football team, and – it's still stunning to me that that that, yeah. that 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 happened. From at Colts with Grant, where are you placing more blame for this one? Player execution or coaching? Well, you know, some people would say, well, coaching leads to player execution. I look, the Colts got out coached yesterday. Both sides of the ball. I mean, that that was not Frank Reich's best schematic effort when Oakland, you know. LaMarcus Joyner is guessing plays right and blowing you up in the backfield. Whoever that DN was, Morrow, I think it was, who blew you up in the backfield and, and had the big play on, on Marlon Mack. I mean, that is Oakland's defensive players feeling more confident that they can take those risks and having success with them than your offensive players establishing anything. So, yeah, I guess it is more so on coaching. Yeah, there are definitely player execution issues um, you can't, you know, drops or drops. I don't know how much a coach can necessarily cure that, but um, you know, mostly on defense, but also on offense, scheme systems. It was, it was all a cluster yesterday. From Jake, because of Nelson and Leonard, do you think we have overestimated Ballard's ability to draft? There are more than a few drafted players that look like busts. Ah, uh, I, I don't know. No, I'm not going to go there. Um. Wow, Chris Morrison, Vontez Perfect is facing a season-long suspension for his late conduct on field. Dang. Um. 
All right. Uh, sorry. Question again. That's on me. Uh, let me see here from Jake. Because of Nelson and Leonard, do you think we've overestimated oh, Ballard's yeah, yeah, ability yeah. to draft? He says there are a few more drafted players that look like busts. Yeah, I, I think that's premature to say. You, you know, you can say, okay, Leonard and Nelson were obviously outstanding. You know, Marlon Mack, I think, has overexceeded what you would think a normal fourth-round pick. Braden Smith, um, he looks like a nice starter for you. You know, I don't know. He hasn't been great this year by any means. Um, you know, Naeem Hines, a nice role guy out of a fourth rounder or fifth rounder, wherever he was. Um, so yeah, let's not, you know, let's not go there. You know, Ballard is, Ballard has been better, but he's been a pretty good drafter. You know, I'm not ready to sit here and say like, oh my God, incredible. 2017 was a grand slam. 2018 was a grand slam. 2019, like, let's not go there. But I don't think we can all of a sudden you can you can find some definite bust. I mean, Terrell Basham is a bust. Zach Banner is a bust. I mean, Quincy Wilson does not look like what you'd expect a normal second rounder. I guess you can debate the health of Malik Hooker. But 2018, I mean, you'd really be nitpicking. And it's still, I mean, we're still a bit young in a lot of these guys in their NFL development. For sure. From Chris, stronger take. Jacoby's fine, his receivers let him down, or Jacoby is too slow in his progressions and is a bigger part of the problem. Well, I, I think that's a fair question to ask, and that's something that we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, is he a little bit – where is that balance between being decisive and locking in on receivers and not, you know, having the full progressions? You know, man, both those deep balls yesterday, I mean, those are a ton of coverage around him. You yeah, know, Paris Campbell had like five guys. Yeah, somehow, <laughs> but uh, both of them, you know, and I, I was just kind of like, "Wow." Um, you know, I, I I do think that there needs to be for this team to make the playoffs. I do think Bursett has got to be better in some areas. The touchdown interception ratio is outstanding, but I think there are other areas from a diagnosing. Um, you know, better with your eyes, throwing your receivers open, those sorts of things. Brissett could be a little bit better, but man, separation he's getting is just not not pretty. From Jonathan, at the start of the season, our wide receiver and safety depth was prevalent. Four weeks in, and it seems both struggled mightily. Disappointed in Kane and his no-show on Sunday. Does Pascal need more touches? How about Emmy Kane? I talked about earlier, five targets, no no catches. I mean, that is an issue. Um I mean, I guess, you know, Pascal, I don't You know there's more after catchability in there with Kane and Campbell, so I think you you still have got to be like, all right, game four of these guys' rookie seasons, more or less. You know, you, you still have got to get them involved. Yeah. You cannot ignore them by any means. Um, but, yeah, that's, you know, I, I, I was one of the people on the Deion Kane sort of hype train, and he has not, not helped me out at all here early in the season. From John, is our defensive problem more because of Ballard or Eberflus? Hmm. Well, again, did Ballard hire Eberflus? Yes. Yeah. You know, so um, the question's probably asking, is it more personnel-driven or more schematic-driven? I think it's scheme more than personnel. I, I don't think your personnel is top 10 defense by any means. I don't, even when Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker are out there. Um, 
and you do have a lot of young draft picks on that side of the ball that are still young in their development, but um, you know, I think a lot of people thought, could this be like Atlanta's defense from a few years ago where you have all these young defenders and you get to be a Super Bowl type of team? Yeah. Um, we haven't seen that at all out of this defense. So I, I, I'm more of a scheme guy, Joey. It's just a – I think there's enough personnel with scheme tweaks to be a better defense, to be a top-half defense – but I still sit here and think you're going to need at least another offseason to get the impactful. I think you're you're missing that young, impactful guy on your defensive line. Um, you could probably you could use something. You could use another body in the secondary as well. You know, maybe as more of that dominant number one corner. Is that going to be Rocky Seen? Is it not going to be Rocky Seen? Uh, Safety wise, it's just a little bit. Do you have the right complimentary piece next to Malik Hooker? You know, you hope that's Kari Willis. But I think there's an impactful player missing out of the front seven of this defense. Jenny wants to know, why aren't our corners playing the ball in the end zone? Both those balls look like a play could be made if Wilson and Yassin were playing the ball. Spot on, Jenny. I, I would agree with that. Um, Rock Yassin had the play, I think, of the Foster Moreau touchdown, and then Quincy Wilson was had God, great coverage on the Tyrell Williams you know, those are those those are those fifty fifty, you know, moments of truth. You got to make a play there, like point blank, and that's not again, that's not scheme, that's personnel, that's where your guys have got to go up there and make a play, um, and those are plays that we probably don't talk enough about because it gave the Raiders momentum, it created that early lead, they were playing from ahead, multiple scores all game long, and if you're able to knock a ball down there and Paris Campbell isn't fumbling inside the red zone, all of a sudden, that makes up for it. Scotty's not feeling too great about next week. He wants to know, is there a chance Mahomes and company could put up 100-plus points on this Colts defense? <laughs> Follow-up, at what point threshold would Eberflus move out of the most porous cover two in the NFL? I saw the over-unders at 57 right now for next week. It was 54 and a half yesterday for Lions Chiefs and they went 34-30 so hammer the over I would say so I guess can the Colts help out in that right cause, yeah. you know um when is Eberflus going to change from the cover two it's he's not he's definitely not I I don't know if I've I don't know if I've been around an NFL coach that believes more in his philosophy than Matt Eberflus and again, that might be very maddening to a lot of people. Probably should be. Um, you, you have to see some evolving. What is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And that feels like that's what they're doing. Yeah. You know, and it's you've got to change some things up on that side of the ball because there are good quarterbacks in this league. There are great offensive minds in this league. And you made Oakland look like exactly that on uh, on Sunday. If Scotty, if you thought Scotty was feeling bad, uh, KB Brad is feeling even worse. He says, "I think it's pretty clear it's time for mock draft time." Oh God! Even if on a positional basis, I see so many mocks having us draft a QB high in 2020. I'd love to see your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I'm probably more of a let's let's look at that route more than most. I mean, Frank Reich loves Jacoby Brissett. Loves, 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 loves him. Um, 
two and two already mock draft time. I, I mean, holy cow! That's insane. Last week we were talking. People were saying, you know, when they get to the Super Bowl, if they do this, I mean, it's just crazy. There are a couple people in the media room saying, leading into last game, you think the Colts could win twelve games? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I I don't even know why I'm entertaining this question. Let's because mock drafts are fun. Yeah, they are fun. Um. I, I think I will repeat what I've said even after the Atlanta game. Like, what I've seen out of the first four weeks of Jacoby Brissett, it, it's better than I thought I would see. Is it franchise quarterback stamp it 100%? I don't think so, and that and that's my opinion. You know, from what I've seen so far, it's – you know, these guys have the negative connotations, but it is the Alex Smith, Andy Dalton, you know, Dalton Moore in his kind of prime years. Yeah. Um, you know, I would want to see more of this is a guy that can go win you a football game when your defense sucks. And I don't know if we've seen that yet. Atlanta, Atlanta, yes. Um, but my my sample size needs to be longer than four games. Sorry, Brad. From Blake, and and let's let's wrap up on this. We're coming up on an hour here. Uh, he says, "How many of the practice squad moves are about taking flyers on players versus getting players that you can replicate certain scenarios of a game on their scout team? The Colts obviously run a four three cover two scheme, but do they pick up players to replicate a three four zone blitz scheme? Let's say the week that they play the Steelers. No, they don't, Blake. I mean, you know, occasionally when you're playing a left footed punter, you'll bring in a left footed guy to work out that week. You know, if you're playing a mobile quarterback, maybe you want a more of a mobile option running the scout team versus Brian Hoyer. But I mean, Chris Ballard, they want those scout team guys to come up and play for him. Ashton Doolin played for him this past week. So they want guys that have been drafted or signed to their system. I don't – it's not as much scout team personnel as maybe you would see like in college. College, you just have bigger rosters. So it's easier to do that. Practice squad is really meant to like, hey, these guys are the next men up, yeah. you know, to, to, to steal the old coaching cliche there. All right, man. Uh, so coming off a loss, 2-2, two and two, Kansas City, Sunday Night Football this week. What do we got coming up the rest of the week? So uh, Chris Ballard will be on um, the Colts radio show tonight. He does the quarterly updates. Um, so I'll have something up on 1075thefan.com, recapping Ballard's comments. We'll hit on those then uh, during Thursday's podcast. And I do want to kind of give a quarterly overview of what I think the Colts have looked like through the first four games. There's definitely some good. I mean, oh yeah, you know, today, today probably was very doom and gloom based off the questions. But um, there is still um, a decent amount of good for this football team and – we will look at that, and we will look at definitely some of the bad as well through the first four games. And uh, we'll probably come back Thursday morning again uh, with a uh, Chiefs preview and recapping a little bit more of that Chris Ballard stuff from this week. Sweet, man. He's Joel Monero. I'm Kevin Bowen. Um, everybody, we appreciate you listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. If you have any questions throughout the week, tweet them at me, DM me, and we'll uh, get to them on Thursday. See you guys. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.